This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming up on today's show, there are a lot of people subscribed to Xbox Game Pass. Stammer and I gush over Dragon Age 4 confirmed locations, and I have played the medium. <laughs> that was supposed to be a spooky sound, by the way. everyone and welcome to another episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i'm one of your hosts Brittany brombacher alongside my waifu my bae for over 10 years oh yeah definitely over 10 christine steimer hello hello beautiful how are you doing i am fine i'm in my my prison corner which is where i work most days. Uh, I was gonna from- say I don't think we've seen this uh, this camera angle. No, on no you one has ever. seen. No one has seen this. Uh, well, no one from what's good has seen this. Obviously, all of my coworkers have seen this. Have <laughs> seen this hallway. And uh, and they're like the question I get asked the most is, "Are you in a hallway?" And my answer is, "Of course, I'm in a hallway." What else? Where else do you think that I am? <laughs> no, this is just my whole living room. It's just like a whole like narrow corridor. I live in a sliver of a house. <laughs> That's it. Hey, man. Rent in LA Lots is of cheap. very expensive. So <laughs> LA is not cheap. No, I like it. You have good lighting. You got the fancy headphones going on. Mm-hmm. Like, look at you. Your eyebrows yeah. look amazing today. Like I always tell you, I always Thank love you. doing these shows with you because I just get oh. to compliment you the whole time. You know. That's why I love doing these shows because I just get to See? be. I'll just yeah soak it all up. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that Andrea always wants to keep us on track. She always wants to keep the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. But you know what? She's not here because she's hosting some shit this week. That's Good for true. her. But that means that we can go on tangents. I can just talk about your beautiful eyebrows the whole time. Fuck video games. You know what I mean? Who cares about video games? Let's talk about eyebrows. Let's just talk about <laughs> eyebrows. It's a very complicated process getting good eyebrows. It we is. Could, we could talk about it. But unfortunately, we are not the What's Good Eyebrows podcast. Not yet. What's Good Games. So let's give a huge shout out to our January's Patreon producers, Flying Cosmo, Californicated, Chewy's Godson, Justin Foshi, Punctified, Ferrisite, Mohammed Mohammed, <laughs> I butchered that one, sorry friend, Marcus Brown, and Alex Regopoulos. And welcome to our Patreon community, Dragon Young 99 Kelsey Jacobs, Tyler Gillett. Ben S., Kyle Jacobs, and Christina Petrovic. And don't forget, you can be part of the show by submitting questions at patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames, or you can get the show ad-free as well. It's our base tier at patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames. So if you don't want to listen to us talk about MeUndies and Bespoke Posts every week, there's an option for you. Just throwing it out there. Yep. Throwing it out there. And thank you, new podcast reviewers, Haley May 95 and Tim Oyages. Oligus? 
I don't know. I don't know. That. I don't know. We did get a five star review last week from someone. Actually, maybe it was Tim. Someone gave us a five star <laughs> review because Andrea pronounced their name correctly. So it must not have been Tim. Oh. Yeah, and uh, clearly I butchered it. Sorry, friend. But it happens. It does happen. You know what? It does happen. All right, Samer, let's get into the news. Would you like to take on this first one? Oh, boy. Oh, I, boy. I sure would. I mean, it's not it's not that exciting of a story. But Xbox no. Game Pass grows to 18 million members. This is via Eurogamer. So Microsoft has announced a total of 18 million monthly subscribers to Xbox Game Pass, which means the Microsoft subscription service has grown by a net total of 3 million users, up from the 15 million mentioned last September of 2020. God, can you believe it's a whole new year already? I can't. No. Um, Last year saw strong growth for Xbox Game Pass, which had just 10 million subscribers back in April of 2020. (laughs) That was... April of 2020. Oh, God. Okay, just keep talking. (laughs) Forget about those days. (laughs) Additions of popular live service games such as Destiny 2 have undoubtedly helped alongside longer-term reasons to jump aboard, such as Microsoft's impending Bethesda and ZeniMax buyout, the addition of EA access to Game Pass Ultimate, and the fact that next-gen games now cost up to 70 bucks individually. The new figure comes from Microsoft's latest financial results, which, as ever, do not include actual sales numbers for Xbox consoles. On the launch of Xbox Series X and S, uh, Microsoft simply said that the two consoles arrival was the best Xbox launch in the company's history, with the most consoles ever sold in a launch month. It's worth noting that Microsoft launched Xbox Series X (laughs) S and X, I hate this name, I'm so, I'm so mad about them. <laughs> it's confusing. In 37 <laughs> markets compared to 13 for Xbox One. And finally, Microsoft announced a rather nebulous figure of 100 million active Xbox Live users, that's not gold subscribers technically, uh, across all platforms. Okay, well, 18 million of you clearly like your Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, I almost why. doubled in less than a year, so that's pretty... Pretty dang good. Pretty damn good, especially since you now have Christine Simer, the Yakuza collection on Xbox Game Pass. Ooh, all of your husbandos for the low, low price of, well, there's multiple tiers of Game Pass, so it depends on how much you want to pay. But But obviously, like we've talked about how Xbox Game Pass is an amazing deal. We've talked about it. We don't need to kick that horse, but it's still fun to watch the millions of members because that's like a lot of fucking people. It is. You know what I mean? That is a lot of people. But which actually is kind of funny. And this broke, I think, was it Friday or thir- well, I guess it was Friday of last week. I don't even remember what is time anyway. Was that Xbox Love, Xbox Love, Xbox Live Gold <laughs> increase that actually never happened. Yes. Um, also, I like the idea of Xbox Love, which would be another another tier of the Xbox Game Pass where they start what would a dating it be? service. It's like find other Xbox Live Gold members that are similar to you, that are matched up, looking for the same, you know, type. It's Xbox Love. And then it's Xbox Love. And then you can, like, if you guys have games that you play together, like, say you were um, a big Destiny fan, and they were a big Destiny fan because you both have achievements unlocked in this thing, and you both signed up for the service, you both seem interested in... um, whatever the other person then you could just like pair up in a game together and see if you you know it's like a virtual date and it would cost ten dollars and 69 cents a month <laughs> hey, oh. hey i don't know why they haven't hired us yet for their internal I mean, decisions we are great marketers <laughs> <laughs> clearly just, just add 69 cents to everything and make it work mm-hmm. but uh yeah obviously like that 
Xbox Live price increase was kind of a little bit of a clusterfuck. A kerfuffle. But a kerfuffle, and it didn't happen, and it's kind of fascinating, I guess, watching how the industry has evolved in a way that the squeaky wheel really does get the grease. And I guess in this case, it was warranted. It was what did you think say, about yeah, the it was, it was wild. Like, just the audacity <laughs> of, of, of trying to do that and thinking you could get away with it and, like, no one was going to say anything. I don't... That's the part where I was just, like, a little bit of a head-scratcher, especially when they almost immediately retracted it. I was like, well, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, friends. When news drops on a Friday... It's not good news. It's not news that anybody wants to make their rounds, but clearly it did. And it was really crazy because Andrea and I had just talked with Aaron Greenberg not that long ago, and we're like, how do you guys do this? I mean, it seems like a deal that's almost too good to be true, but clearly, like, y'all are doing it. And he said, you know, don't worry about Microsoft. We got such so so much money. Like, we got deep good. pockets. And then I'm it was like, oh, no, the, but- the pockets. The- they're a little shallower than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little shallower. Yeah, and especially after building up all of that goodwill and whatnot, and then to try to increase it, you know, and during it's the It's not even just increase and- it. It's the amount, the percentage amount they were trying to increase it was just egregious. Um, yeah. And that's a thing that I was just struggling to figure out. One, who thought this was a good idea, and two, like, Especially this rollout of this information, super not a good idea. Super not good. And like I was saying, Simon, if you and I were on the internal team, we would have only raised it by 69 cents. It's true. And people would not have been that upset about it. Just throwing that I out I mean, there. not if you were getting love out of the deal. Come on. <laughs> getting, getting a free dating service. But the low, anyway. low price of 969. <laughs> so we would have actually lowered the price then. See? <laughs> It's true. <laughs> We're consumer friendly. But yeah, it's just funny when these kind of decisions happen. You're like, how did that pass? But again, good job. They retracted it and they made it so free to play games going forward in the coming months will not cost anything. AKA you don't have to pay for an Xbox Live Gold subscription. AKA which is great. what PlayStation's been doing for a while. Yeah, exactly. Better late than never, we say. Mm-hmm. But enjoy your Game Pass and let us know if you want that Xbox Love pass for 69 cents anyway moving on the last of us part two leads dice 2021 awards followed by ghost of tsushima in hades this comes from ign so the academy of interactive arts and sciences have revealed the finalists for the 24th annual dice awards which will take place virtually on april 8th naughty dogs tlu 2 leads the way with 11 nominations followed by ghost of tsushima with 10 hades ign's pick for 2020 game of the year is up for eight awards so it's kind of, it feels weird, again, talking about 2020 and yeah. awards for games that came out in 2020. And it was probably like a year or so ago that Andrea and I were at DICE and we did present award to Apex Legends. And it's just, it feels like a whole other lifetime ago. But here we are. So yeah, there's a lot of... like, it's going to be virtual on April 8th. I was like, oh, remember when it was live in Vegas? <laughs> in January, right? Yeah. It was January. Oh, February. February, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was February. Uh there's a lot of categories that, you know, you can look at if you want. And what's interesting about these awards is that they're peer-reviewed, so people who actually work within the industry and not people like us that – well, Simon works in the industry. Excuse me. Excuse true, me. I do. Excuse me. <laughs> She's, like, VIP. Not someone like me who just likes to talk about the industry. So it's kind of fun to see how some of the nominations differ from what we picked for the Game Awards last year. But anywho, so I just pulled a fun, some fun categories that you and I can chat about and kind of like talk like what we would vote for if we were 
well, again, you're, you are in the industry. God, forget But I it. don't get, um, I do not get, to be clear, I do not vote in these wards. <laughs> but you, I don't actually know I don't think I could, I, because I'm okay. not, like, I'm not a game developer. Um, oh, so. right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. All right, the first topic is, or the first award category, Outstanding Achievement in Animation, and the nominations are Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part Two, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and Spirit Maker. Now, you've Error. played all of these. <laughs> Why did you say Spirit Maker? Did I say Spirit Maker? You did. Oh, well, no, I did not mean to say Spirit Maker. <laughs> Spirit Fair. <laughs> I know, I was like, wait, where did that come from? I don't, because I don't even see Maker anywhere no, in the like, show Maker's notes. No, I'm like, Maker's not even... <laughs> Spirit <laughs> Maker. What the that's, fuck that's happened? A that's a different game. <laughs> I think I had a stroke. What happened what there? <laughs> uh, Spirit Fair. <laughs> and yes, I have played all of these games. Yeah, um, I haven't played Miles Morales or Ori. So if you had to choose, Simon, if you were an all-important oh. game developer, which one would you vote for? It's really hard because they do different things. Um, right. And so, like, there's a really cool suit in Spider-Man Miles Morales that when you move, your movement looks like sort of like stop animation, which is really cool. Um, and then, obviously, Ori, really beautiful 2D animation. Same with Spiritfarer. Um, and then The Last of Us is just such good realism in terms of a lot of the animation that they do. Um, so I feel like the one I haven't mentioned is Final Fantasy, but I'm going to... I'm gonna, Here's the thing. Uh, it's mostly that I'm trying to recall a lot of it and it's not coming back to me. I would need to watch another video. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is kind of the odd one here. I'm not sure why. Like, they did have some nice animations in the cutscenes, like, obviously, but... Um, and but I, it wasn't I mean, anything, like... Was, like... Cool, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. anything that I would... It's Yeah, I mean, for me, about. I think I would have to vote for Tilu too in this one. Because, I mean, damn, Gina. Damn. Gina. I but yeah, like, I, see, I mean, it's hard because it's also like, well, yes, I think Naughty Dog is like such a phenomenal studio and not only with their face, God, yeah, honestly, just their facial animations alone yes. would probably, probably win it there. But obviously a lot of the other games do really a lot of very cool things. It's just, they're all, they're different. Yeah, they're different. So I would vote for Tila too if it were me. Simer seems like she's not sure what she would vote for at this point. I mean, I probably life. would end up voting for Tila too. I would just feel guilty that I couldn't give love to everybody. <laughs> oh, that's so fucking sweet of you. Look at you. Because like, Ori is also so beautiful, and the animations are so like crisp and cool. Same with F- Spirit Fur. I thought they had some really cool animations, but and then I love Spider Man. Obviously, they built off of what the previous Spider-Man was, so I feel a little bit less bad there, maybe, but uh, he did have some some cool moves. I really liked some cool moves. Next, Outstanding Achievement in Character. This is a fun category. Eivor, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, how do you say that? Zagreus. That next one. Zagreus in Hades. Abby, Tilu 2. Ellie, Tilu 2. And Miles from Miles Morales. Again, I chose this one because I know you have experience <laughs> with all of these characters, and I have not played Valhalla or Hades. Um, I haven't played much of Valhalla. I've mostly watched Andrea play. Um, mm-hmm. I watched. <laughs> you watched the windmilling arm guy, dude. Oh, it was so funny. Um, best side quest ever. Uh, I mean, for me, I think I just feel like so biased. All this, I'm like, oh, I feel like it's got to be Abby. Just I be- know, just because of the controversy surrounding that character, and I think mm-hmm. that's part of what makes her good is like clearly it got under people's skin and i know that people will will say 
I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, it's bad writing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like, the character obviously influenced you because you're mad enough to be talking about it on the internet. So Mm -hmm. if it was really, truly bad, you would have not said anything. And you would have like, just ignored it and not really paid attention to most of what was going on with it. Um, yeah, and so I'm looking at this list, and I'm ag- I agree with everything you said about Abby. That's why I can I feel biased too. But God, Tulu too, such a great game. I would have to pick her. But then I see other cat- other dudes like Zagreus. Was he a pretty phenomenal character in Hades? I haven't finished the story of of Hades yet. Um, but Zagreus, mm-hmm. I mean, he is interesting. But I'm still learning more about him. I've basically gotten <laughs> I've gotten how far have I gotten? I've gotten to Cerberus. In Hades. Although I will say again, I am playing on the baby ass baby mode where every time you die, you get a percentage resistance added to you. I think it's 2% resistance every time. So very slowly Ooh. but surely my resistance is building I as love I that. die. Uh, but I think that Hades is just really cool in terms of storytelling mechanics and for making mm. a... Um, Oh my god, my brain is blanking. But for making that style of game, I'm already forgetting what it's called right roguelike? now. Roguelike? Yes, roguelike. God, I don't know why got my you. brain was just like, nope, that's not there anymore. Um, but for making that feel less punishing just by giving you more bits of story every time you die. Like, I think that that's brilliant. For people like me who don't traditionally like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. You know, you die, you get rewarded. Perfect. That's my kind of game. What could be better than that? In a roguelike especially. And then this final one's pretty interesting. Outstanding achievement in story. 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, Ghost mm-hmm. of Tsushima, Hades, Kentucky Route Zero, and The Last of Us Part Two. I gotta say, I love seeing 13 Sentinels get a nod here. I feel like it really didn't get much acknowledgement in uh, the Game Awards in December because that one has a whole fascinating story. Summer, I don't know if you've looked into that game, but you might enjoy it. It's kind of bonkers, kind of crazy, but it's very... Um, it's very much a story-driven game, since there's not a lot in terms of gameplay. But if you want like a crazy, crazy story with a bunch of you know, kind of hot anime, hot-ish. Well, I can't say that they're in high school. I think. Oh, Never mind. Well, there we go. You know, a well, lot of anime is jailbait. I'll just say. <sighs> I know that's the worst, and you forget because they all look the same age in anime, and sometimes they're in their thirties, and sometimes they're like seventy. And sometimes they're, they're like, also oh, ancient beings that are thousands of years old, but so, for some exactly. reason look twelve, and you're like, but why? <laughs> but why, culture? Why? But I think if I had to choose this one again, like I just go, oh, I keep going back to Tilu too. But I feel like what Ghost of Tsushima did was pretty fucking cool. But I feel like no story really impacted me as much as T. Lou, too. So it turns out I picked all these categories to chat about with the same winner every time. <laughs> You're like, I, I was not planning for this to happen, but it happened. <laughs> was there bias there? Apparently there was. I didn't even know it. But I did think it was interesting that there was no Final Fantasy VII in there. But maybe mm. that's because it was kind of a rematch. But they did change some things. But maybe that was something that us uh, consumers loved more than maybe, like, the people who actually... I don't know how their brains work. They're smarter than me. Yeah. But anyway... Now I'm looking interested up... In- I never... I had not heard of Kentucky Route Zero before. Oh, I've heard... Yeah, I've never played that one either. Fuck, I feel like I haven't played a lot of these. But... That one has always been on my list of games to check out. It looks really interesting. A magical, (laughs) realist adventure game about a secret highway in the caves behind Kentucky. Or beneath, sorry. Beneath Kentucky. It's an adventure game. Um, Sounds like something That's why I'm like, wait, should I play this game? (laughs) I think think you should. I've heard a lot of people talking about it for some time now, and it sounds like it's really damn good. This looks cool. Clearly. Yeah. See? Thanks for pulling this award, because I would never have known about this game, actually. 
So I got you, girl. See, slide. that's why. That's exactly why I did. I planned everything this you way. Did. You that's did. That's just the kind of uh, host I am. You mm-hmm. know, I, I plan for this. Okay. Anyway, next up, Samer, we're going to talk about some hitting of the men. Yeah, I mean, speaking of planning out really well, um, Hitman Three has recouped project costs in under a week. So wow. this is via gamesindustry.biz. So Hitman 3, already profitable, IO Inter- Interactive has announced. Quote, we've been really happy with the Hitman 3 journey, says IO Interactive CEO Hakan Abrak. It has been a labor of love between our fans and everyone at the studio. As the developer and publisher, we are immensely proud that we can say Hitman 3 is already profitable. We have recouped, recouped the total project costs in less than a week. That puts us in a really good place and allows us to confidently move forward with our ambitious plans for future projects. Hitman 3 is the first full game in the series that was self-published by the studio, and Abrak tells games, gamesindustry.biz that keeping marketing and PR close to the development team has been a huge benefit. Quote, that combination makes us very effective as a publisher because we have our creative and development teams working closely with publishing and marketing throughout the entire project. We need that collaboration because we want, we all want to create a quality product, which clearly they did because they made their money back. Lickety split. That's freaking incredible. I think that's awesome. I loved Hitman 3. I know a lot of people are loving it. So it's good to see this this IP get some, some good love, and I think it's definitely worth it. The part that I thought was interesting is because I know a lot of people don't quite understand how the sausage is made, and I know you can probably speak to this, Miss Industry Wizard, <laughs> is what he talks about how the, keeping marketing and PR close to the dev team actually has a huge impact. And Can you speak on that a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, in general, I think it's just easier to have those teams working hand in hand. I agree with this statement um, because otherwise it's kind of filtered through another layer. Um, so I'm trying to think of an example that won't get me in trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you were, let's see, like if you're Bioware, oh, I don't, sorry, I don't know why I'm doing this, but whatever. If you're Bioware up in Canada, I mean, your publisher is EA, they're doing all of the marketing and they're doing all of um, your social, all your comms, everything. So you might have a comms person on deck in Edmonton, but they have to do everything through EA and vice versa. Like you guys have to talk to each other. You're in different, well, are they in different time zones? I can't remember if they're in different. They might be like an hour Possibly. off. They're, they're not too bad. Um, but like there, there is the possibility of a lot, like a longer time zone issue. Then also you just trying to communicate back and forth what you're doing with the game, what your hopes are for the game um, versus having that team directly working like close by to the dev team. Obviously no one's close by anybody at this point because pandemic, but um, <laughs> it's just a lot easier to not have to go through a bunch of different hoops to get there. And you can just more easily and readily talk to people because the people who are on publisher side often have multiple accounts too. Like if you're working at EA, you might just be assigned to Bioware or you might be assigned to Bioware and a couple of other studios. So you have to be juggling. Um, again, those are all loose not one for one uh, <laughs> examples, but roughly. But no, it makes sense. And especially if you as the developer have this vision that you want to really lead into, I'm sure, and the publisher might disagree with that. I'm sure there's some conversations that happen back and forth and maybe it requires a compromise and maybe yeah. it's not the compromise you want. Yeah, publishers definitely have their own idea of what will make it sell. They want to recoup their costs. Um, so when you, But when you are the developer and the publisher, I mean, I get, apparently you can just recoup your costs in a week. That's in a great. week. Give it microtransactions, make it free to play, add in cosmetics. Yes. You know, 
but you don't have to do that if you publish your game by yourself. And speaking of Hitman developer, I.O., their James Bond game won't be based on any previous actor. This comes from IGN. So IO Interactive has revealed that the protagonist in the developer's upcoming James Bond game won't be based on any previous actor who has filled the role, and the director of the company has hinted at a trilogy. The news arrives as part of an interview conducted by the Danish Broadcasting... Oh, Danish. I want a pastry. That's oh my so- god! <laughs> I haven't had one of those. Sorry, weird craving. Okay, Broadcasting Corporation, which also talks about how the studio plans to double its staff over the next few years as it works on this ambitious project. We have been allowed to make our own digital bond, which will not lean on a bond actor. IO Interactive director Hakan Abrak told the Danish mm, Broadcasting Corporation, <laughs> "We also come up with a completely original story, and you could easily imagine that a trilogy would come out of it." Abrak added. He also added that. IO is scaling up and planning to hire a lot more staff to deliver on its ambitions. Quote, today we are at 200 employees and I expect that we will be over 400 employees over the next few years. Now, Stammer, that's a pretty big studio, right? Yeah. 400? That's yeah. Not, that's, not too shabby. That's pretty beefy. Abrick has also, also recounted the meeting, I thought this is funny, in which IO Interactive convinced the licensed owners, Eon Productions, that the game was a good idea. According to the interview, IO had a meeting with Barbara Broccoli of the Broccoli family. I'm sorry. We have to pause because... I know. I know. What? I know. Isn't Wait. that just the best? First of all, there's so much to break down here. I don't okay, even know okay. where to begin. Okay, break it down. Break it we down. have that the Broccoli family owns James Bond. Broccoli Bond. And then you named your kid Barbara? Like, you're so mean. You're like, ah, yes, the alliteration. It's too good to pass up. Barbara Broccoli. This poor, poor <laughs> I mean, not really for her, because she's probably really rich if her family owns the rights to James Bond, but like... She's very rich, very successful, but they have Barbara Broccoli. Wow. I mean, you know, yeah, it's still, it's like, who's one laughing though, Barbara Now, whenever I think of James Bond, I'm going to think of Broccoli. I know, me too. A big, fluffy stock of broccoli named Barbara. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yeah, so Io had a meeting with Barbara Broccoli of the Broccoli family. I just wanted to say that again. Who control the rights to the James Bond franchise. Broccoli was expressionless at first, but quickly came around to the idea. Abrax said the studio's, quote, background with the Hitman universe and its vision for Bond, quote, went right into the heart of Broccoli, who greenlit the project. Abrax also noted that the usefulness of, quote, good Scandinavian charm rather than the, quote, big American arm movements that Abrax thought Eon was probably used to. Wow, wait, wow, wow. <laughs> Steimer, let me tell I mean, you about this James Bond game that we want. Okay, you know, it's like I'm role-playing. I'm a Bracken, you're Barbara Broccoli, and I'm pitching to you my James Bond game. And if you're on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games right now, you'd see my big American art movements. And Steimer is not impressed. She's going to reject me any minute now because she's like, what I'm the hell are like, you doing? I'm stupid American. <laughs> I know. I, uh, stupid American, wow. I don't want your damn game. You need to bring on the good Scandinavian charm for me. Yeah. Um, God, I'm tired from doing all that art movement. You should be. I, so I just looked up because I actually wasn't sure where IO was. But um, mm-hmm. since the I was assuming that they were in Denmark, given the Danish broadcasting company or corporation. Danish. But uh, I wasn't sure if that was maybe just like another local thing. But yes, they are in Copenhagen. Um, so that is a. I don't like. I mean, I, they're not wrong. 
Like, I don't even know what to say there. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I prefer Europeans to Americans. Like, yeah. I mean, sure. listen. That's why fair. not? Do you, do you, are you a James Bond fan? Um, fan might be a heavy word to use, but I've enjoyed the movies. Uh, I learned that salt water makes you throw up because of that movie. So well, one uh, of the movies. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, if you I know ingest, salt water makes your dog shit. A lot. If you ingest a lot of salt water, you will <laughs> expunge <laughs> whatever is in your system. If there's one takeaway you get from the James Bond films, it's just if you need a barf, go drink some salt water. If you accidentally drink poison, then it's really useful. <laughs> Find your nearest large body of water. Find your nearest form of salt and <laughs> go for it. I think uh, I, I think we've talked about this before, so I don't again need to talk about it again and again. But I think I was like super primed and ready for the James Bond series. I think if you look at what Hitman is in terms of all the gadgets and gizmos and cool things and ways you can kill people and stealthily disguise yourself, I'm sure taking that a step further, adding that James Bond flavor to it, I have no worry that they can't hit this out of the park. And I think that's really cool. It is cool. But again, the best part of this whole story was that we've learned that the, that the Broccoli family exists. <laughs> the Broccoli family. I want to it's be like, friends with Barbara Broccoli. Hold on, let me Google her. <laughs> I did. That's the first thing I did is I Googled her too. Also, I want there to be a Broccoli family in the next Yakuza Wait, American make film it happen. producer is what comes up. Yeah, I don't know how she... I, I don't know Miss... Barbara Ms. Dana Broccoli. Why didn't they just name her Dana Broccoli? <laughs> It's not Barbara Broccoli, Simon. It's not as cool. Anyways. What a badass name, though. I mean, I know. I Googled her. I don't know how Miss, Mrs. Bro- Broccoli came into uh, control of the, the IP or whatever it is. But. She is the daughter of the James Bond producer Albert Cubby Broccoli and actress Dana Wilson Broccoli. Obviously, oh. she was has a different maiden name, but this is not incestual. Um <laughs> And then in 1995, Cubby Broccoli handed over the control of Eon Productions, which is the production company that has the rights to the films, to Barbara and her half-brother, Michael G. Wilson. And they continue to run the company today, which is why they had that meeting. Today you learned. Today Today you learned about the Broccoli family. About the Broccoli family that will probably always be infinitely cooler than your family. True. And their name is Broccoli, which is even more badass. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And this last story, I'm excited because if anyone knows anything about us, Simers, that we like, we like us some Dragon Age. That we do. So, yep. So this story comes from Eurogamer, and it's called Dragon Age 4 Locations Confirmed. And if you've been following the series, obviously, this isn't a huge revelation, but it's still just fun to talk about. All right. So Bioware's fourth big Dragon Age game will be mainly set into winter as an unyet as a as a yet unvisited land within the franchise's world of Thetis. That's according to the studio's hulking Bioware Stories of Secrets, Stories and Secrets from 25 Years of Game Development book, which the author picked up over the weekend. For fans of the Dragon Age series, this confirmation will come as little surprise. The location was set up in the final scene of Dragon Age Inquisitor's excellent Trespasser expansion, Fuck You Egg. Although this was over six years that ago. That was six years ago? Girl, yes. I feel incredibly confused by this statement. <laughs> I know. And that's it. I was reading some of these names. I was like, oh my God, I, I, had, I was rusty because it's been six years. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. 
Mm-hmm. And it also contained other plans for the future of the series. So while, oh no, I lied, I lied, that's not at all what it is. It said, and many other plans for the future of the series have changed in the interim, which is saying like since the Trespasser DLC up until now, things yeah. have changed. But while the main, but while the plan to visit Deventer was expected, more concept art within the book suggests the next Dragon Age will include other fresh lands as well. Artwork of a glittering city surrounded by water almost certainly shows Antiva City, the capital of Antiva, an area which borders Tevinter to the east. Concept art for an Antivan crow is also shown. A theatrical assassin, quote, celebrated for their mastery of stylish slaying. Sounds like something Steimer would love. Oh, hell Who wears yeah. an elaborate mask, wields a glowing sword, and has several actual crow sidekicks. You give that person a cape, and Simon is all over it. Yes. There's also an image of the skeletal Mornwatch who guard the theta, who guard Thetas from occult threats and hang out in a necro- necropolis. While this location isn't further identified, necropolises are used in Navara, another area of Thetas, whose citizens are known for mummifying their dead. Navara borders Simenter to the south. Other images show the Lords of Fortune, a treasure hunter's guild based in various places, but founded in Ravine to the northeast of Deventer and the, the Deep Roads, the Dwarven yeah. Tunnels, which spans all of Thetis. Oh, okay. Yes. This is ex- I think this is cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like map-wise when they're like, here's where all these locations are located. Um, like, it could be similar to what they did with Inquisition. Obviously, we don't know much about this game gameplay-wise yet, but mm. map-wise... It could make sense for them to just like kind of hop around and and you get a little slice of each of the areas. Yeah, and I'm really excited to go to Tevinter. Uh, Tevinter just sounds like a really shitty place. It's full <laughs> of me. <laughs> it's every time Tevinter's been talked about since Dragon Age Origins. I feel like it's just described as kind of this. And this, I'm probably exaggerating, but it seems almost like it's a lawless, like mage run area where you know there's still slaves and there's a whole bunch of blood magic but the, everyone no one really gives a shit about blood magic because everyone does it there and in dragon age inquisition dorian talks quite a bit about Deventer, and there's some f- interesting tidbits of info you can get but i'm excited to go to Deventer, and that's where we got our first dark spawn because those assholes went to the dark city and awoke the old gods and then we got arch demon and there you go you know what Deventer, you screwed it up for everybody <laughs> Congratulations. You did. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah, it's just, it, and I know there's a book out called Deventer Nights, which I think it gives a little bit more information into Solace, and I don't know exactly what about, aka Egg. Yeah. But I'm thinking that might be a good read. I mean, I, I would say, like, read it before the game comes out, but this game ain't coming out for a long time. Yeah, so I feel like you've got wait. some time, and I feel like I'm going to have to rewatch somebody playing Trespasser. <laughs> <laughs> to, like, to, re- <laughs> to remind myself. God, I remember when I finished that DLC and I was just blown away. And that was Fight. six years ago. <laughs> that was six years ago. And we're gonna I'm, we're gonna spoil Trespasser. So if you haven't played it yet, like it was six years ago. Pause it here. But is it Trespasser the DLC where you actually get to where you're married? Where you find out you're married to your romantic partner? I feel like Colin and I got married or something, or we were married. Yes, you can. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the main part I remember is Solus's thighs at the end of it. But yes, that's, um, I do also remember there's something about getting married. I remember because I was playing it and I texted you, but I didn't want to spoil anything because I think I might have played it before you. 
And I was like, holy shit, Simon, because Simon and I used to text all the time when we were playing these Dragon Age games and Witcher games and yep. talk about people we were banging and whatnot. And I remember we both loved us some Colin, so that was an exciting time. But yeah, at the end of that DLC, man, when Solus was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just the Dreadwolf. It's okay. I just created the veil. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm, I want to destroy the world, essentially, is what he wants to do, because he realized he fucked up. Yeah. And you're like, but... <laughs> But I'm in the world. <laughs> yeah, don't you love me? He's I, like, nah, fuck you. Yeah, especially when you... I know, At first, I almost went re- back and replayed the whole thing so I could have him as my love interest, but then I decided to just watch on YouTube. Um, and I don't think it really changed that much, so I was like, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I think he just probably says some mushy lines, and then he's like, I think okay, he just bye. calls you... I think he addresses you uh, differently. Yeah, I, forget, exactly. I forget what I forget his pet name for you in the game, but he has one. So like, I think he just Maybe it's uses like that. Hard boiled or like over easy. Or something. <laughs> That's him. That's him. He's hard scrambled. Boiled. <laughs> I love you, my scrambled. He's hard boiled yeah. and he scrambled your egg. <laughs> Ooh, Simon, you're on fire. No. But yeah, I think uh, I'm just really excited for this game. I know we both are. But to go to these other locations because I was so rusty. But then yeah, it's been six years. So like looking back and reading all the lore and getting caught up in everything. And obviously, if you want to get real nerdy and deep with it, there are so many people out there who knew, who know Dragon Age lore like the back of their hand because there is so much. Yes, so so much. And I'm excited to go to, to Antiva City where maybe we'll see Zevron. Who could say? I don't know if he's still there or I don't remember what happened to him in Inquisition. I think you get a letter from him at some point. But anyway, also, if I never have to go back into the deep roads, I'll be happy. Sounds like we're going to. I would be really surprised if you did not go into the deep roads. But I I agree Uh, with you. I don't really need to go there anymore. (laughs) I know. We've had enough time in the deep roads. Please, no more. We've seen them all. We've seen all the deep roads. We're very roady and rocky, and there's a lot of dark spawn. We got a few questions from patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames, a.k.a. every Wednesday I go into there and I ask our patrons if they have any questions for the show, and we have a few. The first one comes from DK2112 and asks, Is it too late to get into Dragon Age, and what makes the game so popular? Is it too late? Probably not. Um, I mean, I don't know... If you mean, like, should I go back and replay older games? I don't know if that's what you mean. But um, if you enjoy older RPGs, yeah, I think Origin is still worth playing. Probably more on PC than on the consoles. Um, I don't know if it would really hold up there very well. But Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Because I think, yes, there's a lot of lore around Dragon Age. But also, it's fairly easy to get from a bird's eye view. Which is just like, oh, that stuff's bad. This stuff's good. Like Dark you can spawn, easily, bad. yeah, dark spawn bad. They look like evil, gross monsters. That's pretty easy to like figure out. Um, I feel like it's all very, it's told, not very veiled. Like you can figure it out if you really don't know anything about the game or about you know the land. Um, and I think just what makes it popular. It's like a really solid fantasy RPG, and who doesn't love one of those? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite games. It's so well done and so well written, and that was like peak peak Bioware, you know, where I feel like they were just fucking nailing it, and uh, it's just really good. It's a beautiful game, and there's a lot of very memorable moments. All the characters, I think, I can still remember very vividly what they were like, and gosh, I guess I played that game for the first time 10 years ago, nine years ago. I don't remember when it came out. 
But damn. Well, if Trespasser DLC was six years ago, it's more than ten. Let's see. Dragon Age Origins release date. It released in 2009. Yeah, holy fuck. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there, you, there you go. And it's still, it's still super good. And I agree with everything Samer said. Absolutely, like still play it. You should. And sorry, Devin, who asked what what excited you the most about having the game set into winter. We got a little ahead of ourselves. And we... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I oh. think, I think I agree with you on that, Brittany. Where it's just like, Tevinter has been hinted at throughout a lot of the games and talked about in such. Uh, skeezy tone like it doesn't seem yeah. like a great play like no one's ever been like Tevinter is amazing um yeah but some of the people who come from Tevinter are very fancy like good dorian dorian mm-hmm. very fancy so it's just mm-hmm. interesting to be like oh i really kind of want to know what it's like there considering you got the fancy people but then you got people like slitting their palms out there doing some blood magic like mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on like what is the real story here because we all know rumors ain't shit <laughs> I just had a, like a daydream of like Steimer's whoever the fuck you play in that game. She like stops into Deventer and she's like, rumors ain't shit. <laughs> like looking around like What's going Deventer. on in this town? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait for this game. Hopefully it comes out sooner rather than later. But we'll say it as we, like we always do. Take your time. Yes, please take what you do what you need to do. Which yes. they already have been taking their time. They've already been they've already talked about reworking the game. So I'm like, okay. Just get this pony through the gate at some point. We're good. (laughs) We have a few in case you missed it. So there's been a whole lot of hoopla going on about GameStop and the stock market. And I don't know about you, Simer, but I don't understand it enough to explain it. What's happening? Um, The most I could figure out is that um, it's basically like Wall Street was trying to fuck people, and then Reddit said, nay, we shall fuck you instead. Um, And then Reddit made the GameStop (laughs) price go up. Um, And uh, now people are wigging out about it, because obviously GameStop is not worth (laughs) that amount of money. And a lot of people made a lot of money. Dude, I can't imagine, like, oh, should have gotten some GameStop stock. No shit. We should have been talking about him on the show. We should have just been investing stock instead. How could but we have known? How could we have known? So if you want a more in-depth read, there's so many articles out there. And there's one in particular on Ars Technica called The Complete Moron's Guide to GameStop's Stock Roller Coaster, which I started reading. I tried to skim it. Still too complicated for me to skim it. <laughs> so I'm actually going to try reading. But I think it's written in a, in a way that most people could understand unless you're just super uber smart. So that's why we're not talking about it in the main headline because, like, word. It's a bit complicated. It's a bit complicated. And like I said earlier, the Yakuza Remastered Collection is now available on Game Pass. So if you want your husband to fix, definitely check it out. And Biomutant has a release date of May 25th. Nice. Are you... Are you interested in this game? I've been interested in it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it looks really... It's an interesting concept. I always like it when games are doing something that you haven't really seen before. Um, so I think it looked really interesting. I was just, like, kind of chilling, waiting for it to, to finally come out. <laughs> I know. I feel like it's been really quiet since then. So in case you're wondering, like, what is Biomutant? It's THQ Nordics. It's a third-person action... Or third-person adventure... RPG open world game, I think is like what it is technically. Yeah. And it sounds like you play as a an animal warrior in a world that's full of 
mutated animals. <laughs> this is the just the the line from the website. Biomutant okay. is a post-apocalyptic kung fu fable with a unique martial arts style combat system allowing to mix melee shooting and mutant ability action. And yeah, you play as like it looks like a little raccoon. Um, so it's it's a little feels a little like a rocket raccoon and you can <laughs> you can make uh, them look the way you want to look, I believe. Yeah, so. you can customize your gender, length, body shape, thickness, fur, and fangs, and many other things in this game. And Steimer, it has a $400 collector's edition. Neat. <laughs> Which I feel like is is pretty, uh, you know, That's good for you. Pretty for, especially for a new IP. Yeah. I know, right? Especially for something new, but like, cool. I think it sounds like a really interesting concept. So now that that's just a few months away, we'll start hearing more about it. And finally, the game that I will absolutely not be playing, The Lord of the Rings Gollum has been delayed to 2022. Well, not doesn't yep. matter because it's got a ways to go. It's a like a stealth slash vertical platforming game. And I'm like, okay, first of all, stealth and me like don't get along very well. Uh, Gollum creeps me the hell out. Like literally like in a way that nothing else really does. I just can't stand the sight of him, the sound of him, those eyes, that stringy ass oh, hair. Yes. Ugh, no, not for me, not for me at <laughs> at all. Not that good of an impression, but you know, oh, I mean, it, it, it made, but it was good enough to make me clench. Mm, so like, good. Y- y- you did good. And on that, on that note, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, I'll be talking all about my time playing The Medium. And now it is time for announcements. Except there's really not a heck of a lot to talk about right now on the What's Good Games front. Things are pretty chill and low key for the time being, but you know what? It's important to have some downtime from time to time. But I personally have a fun little announcement that I'd like to make. So uh, you have probably heard me talk about playing co-op games with my husband, Jason. And for the longest time, he and I have wanted to start a show together, a podcast about our time in those co-op games. And so we have officially launched our podcast called The Co-op Show. I know, very original. And you can find us on coopshow.com. It's spelled like coopshow.com. And we have put out nine episodes already. We have been kind of stealth releasing them because we wanted to make sure we could get into the groove and get the formatting down before we went public with everything. But each episode is roughly 20 to 35 minutes or so. And we've covered games like Temtem, Age of Calamity, Battletoads, Baldur's Gate, Early, Early Access, and more. And it's something we put out every week. And it's just a fun little like shoot the shit. Let's talk about our time playing co-op games between husband and wife and all of that fun stuff. So I hope you check it out and I hope you enjoy it. You can find us on podcast platforms of your choice, probably anywhere where you listen to what's good. But again, that is coopshow.com and you can find us by searching for the co-op show, AKA the coop, (laughs) the coop show. Thanks friends. Back to the show. The what's good game show. Wow. Welcome back to the show, friends. This is when we talk about games we've been playing. And Steimer, you're still playing the game of life. Yes, very much so. Still playing the game of life. Also, um, reading. I'm like, I'm just reading The Way of Kings that Andrea gave me over break. And I'm about halfway through it now. It's a hefty, hefty honker of a book. (laughs) It's about a thousand pages. pages. Holy crap. So I'm really enjoying it. It's so now when I'm done working here at this workstation, I'll go over to my living room 
Um, and I'll just like chill on the couch and light a candle and read. And that's been really nice. Can you give me like an overview of what's it about? It's a, it's a high fantasy book. So like, mm-hmm. it's a, it's too hard for me to explain. Well, mostly cause I'm only halfway through this book right now. So I'm still that not is. sure of like the entire plot arc. Um, but if you like high fantasy novels or Brandon Sanderson, who is, um, a very famous prolific fantasy author, then you will enjoy this book. I think. There you go. You're going to go to your little narrow, narrow ass living room that's behind you. You Uh probably have like a couch set up back there and that's just like where you live. Can you imagine? It would be like this tiniest couch in the world. It it would, but it would fit for you perfect because you're the tiniest human in the world. Not true. It's not true. No, you have a nice booty. All right. So (laughs) you have a nice sizable booty and I say that with love. Okay. Before I make this any weirder, let me talk about my hands on time with the medium. Yeah. So first of all, mm? I was going to say, this is the game where, oh, I think we we mentioned this, but I don't remember where we mentioned this, if this was on the show or in the streams, but it was in the streams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Brittany was like, I've I've got a code for this game. I want to play it um it's a spooky game but like you know andrea and steimer let me know if you want to get codes and i just wrote back ah, ha, 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 like for three lines um and i sent that i was just like what what do you think Brittany? do i want to play this game? i know i know i had a feeling i had a feeling you wouldn't but i wanted to you know because our friend troy baker's in it i thought maybe you want to go through some stress for your for your good friend there but i uh completely understand and it was the best response ever like there was no like yeah no no eh. it was just ha 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 and i was like okay i know a no from cyber when i see one so he has received. <laughs> how are you, person who enjoys spooky games, if it enjoying <laughs> the medium? Oh, man. So thank you to Bloober Team for, again, the codes. Andrea and I did redeem a code. Steimer's code was given back to PR. I was like, listen, she's not going to Sorry, this. PR, but, like, <laughs> my life's stressful enough. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. And it's, I'm sure it's going to go to a good home. So you know what, Steimer, it's all good. Uh, so yeah, this game is developed by Bloober, published by Bloober, and it's for Xbox Series X and S. It's on Game Pass, and it's also for Windows. So if you'd like to play it that way, and it releases on January 28th, which I suppose was yesterday, if you're listening to this on Friday. So Bloober team, you might know from Layers of Fear 1 and 2, they did Observer, Blair Witch, and now The Medium, and I have played all of those minus Observer. So I uh, I first learned about Bloober through Layers of Fear because it scared the ever-living li- shit out of me, and Steimer and I actually played a little bit of it for we Lights did. Off back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was more of just like a walking simulator where you go around, you experience like these creepy ass jump scares, the atmospheric horror building. And then as like they've made more games with Layers of Fear 2 and Blair Witch, it's been interesting to watch Bloober incorporate more story into their games. And I feel like the medium is kind of like a culmination of everything that they've learned so far. So I, I, it's kind of hard to talk about. I didn't dislike the game, but I didn't love it either. But I see how Bloober is evolving as a studio. And I think once they really like get their groove and really nail it, I think they're going to be an amazing developer, publisher in the horror genre. So you play as Marianne, a medium, who is going about her day doing her medium-y things when she gets a call from a stranger beckoning her to come to a long-abandoned resort facility called Neva, uh, saying that he can help her out. 
And she's like, okay, this is kind of weird, but like, you know about me, you know about some things that you shouldn't know about. So like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll humor you, I'll check you out. And you go there and kind of, the story kind of goes from there. So one of the things you've probably seen about the medium is how it has the split screen, this dual, dual world feature where you are in the real world and then you have the spirit world. And what's interesting about that is you'll be playing and then all of a sudden like she'll get something will trigger and now all of a sudden you have the real world on the left side of the screen and the spirit world on the right and you're moving at the same time you're interacting with other things at the same time it's just things can change item so to interact with this with an item on the left side of the screen you push x to interact with an item on the right side of the screen you push a the real world is it perfectly just looks- split down the middle it's perfectly split down the middle as you're wandering, I believe. But when you're interacting with something, it the the world in which you're interacting with something takes up like three quarters of the real estate on the screen. So it's a cool concept in in theory because you can kind of see, you know, the same level, just kind of like, what if it looks all fucked up? But I actually found it a little more annoying than anything. And I think the reason why is because there were times when I wasn't sure like which screen I should focus all of my attention on. You know, I might be walking, I might be looking at the spirit realm and then I'm missing items in the real world, quote. And then I'm like, okay, where's this puzzle piece that I need or where's this thing that I'm looking for? And I don't, I can't imagine how it would look on a smaller TV because I have a 85 inch that I play on. And so, (laughs) Uh, wow. Yeah, so everything's like very big for me, and even I was kind of struggling to, you know, see certain things because this game is also very dark. Some the lighting isn't super fantastic, and that could be a weird hiccup with HDR. But, um, and and I think a lot of the focus did go on that split screen dynamic, which again I think is really cool in theory. But I think what suffered from that was the actual level design itself. It just didn't feel very inspired. It didn't feel like there was a lot going on. It wasn't super great for story building. And especially if you're in a, if you're in an abandoned resort facility, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Not saying it was awful, but it wasn't so interesting that if I think about it right now, right, I just think of a bunch of like gray and dark and some debris. And I don't think of like those little meticulous details or anything like that. Yeah. So cool concept. I think... If they want to incorporate this in their next game, they just need to make it a little bit more, a little bit more interesting, perhaps. Um, are there like, sp- like what are the spooks like? <laughs> the spooks. So this is the thing: is depending on who you talk to, there was one good jump scare that like really got me because I was not expecting it. But other than that, it's a lot of um, you know, like the, Bluebird has always had amazing music in their games because it's so fucking creepy. And a lot of it is the is the, the anticipation. Like, is something going to happen? Is something going to happen? But it was never to the point where I felt like I was too scared to play it, like, in by myself in a dark room. Like, Jason maybe, like, would be upstairs and not, like, downstairs playing something else. So, like, last night at 11.30 p.m., I'm like, I'm going to play the medium. And I felt pretty damn comfortable doing that, just me in a dark room by myself. And so, depending on who you talk to, some people love this kind of horror. Like, I was talking to Steve Saylor today, the blind gamer, and he love this game he thinks it's like so far like a game of the year contender for him which is awesome but for me i was looking for something that would actually make me clench my butt and be scared and this game for me wasn't it um if you're more into like psychological horror maybe this will get you a little bit more but 
for me, I think one of the things I loved about Layers of Fear was how there was always stuff moving and falling and weird noises and like little glimpses of like a dead woman shambling down a hall. And you just don't really see that here. There is a little girl. Yeah, there's like a little girl that's like, you know, she's an NPC, but she's pretty integral to the story. Her name is Sadness. And she looks disturbing as hell because she's like missing half of her body. But she's such a sweet character that it's creepy, but it's not like horror, if that makes sense. Sure. It's you're like, I I don't. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, she's not like running at you like that. Wait, what game was that where that kid ran at us and I screamed? That was Slender Man. Slender Man. Oh, my God. That was. (laughs) Yeah. That um, was probably like legit the scariest I've ever been playing a game before. I was sweating so much. I was just I like, pulled a muscle. You did pull a muscle, and I was just made of sweat. It was <laughs> not good. You're for the embodiment of, us. of sweat, of salty sweat. I literally was. I was just like, oh my god, I can't. And then, so what if when we played Layers of Fear? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting, but I also was like, you were like, turn around or whatever, and I was like, I don't want to turn around. I just want to keep going. Because you do. Because I knew <laughs> the minute that I turned around, there would be something like weird or something going on that like I just did not want to see. I wanted to ignore everything. Um, but it mm-hmm. sounds like this is a just a different style of game then. Exactly. Yeah. There's not these little moments like you know you in layers of fear. You might be walking down a hallway. You turn around and suddenly there is like a wheelchair there. It's like where did that come from? Like that shouldn't be there. It's definitely more atmospheric and not as there's not as much scare like spooky scares I guess Um, speaking of you know the characters I really like the characters I think Marianne's a great character I think the little girl sadness is a great character I think even some of the other NPCs that you kind of wondering why are you a part of this story but regardless you're pretty cool are neat but I think the issue here is that the storytelling is a little bit all over the place. Um, you know, you're playing as Marianne because you are at this resort center trying to discover who this person is and what they can do to help you and blah, blah, blah. But it kind of falls into that issue of it's like you get to the area and now here's 500,000 things you need to do. And I'm grossly exaggerating. There's not that much other stuff. But it's like send these people back to the spirit realm, you know, investigate this room, figure out this and that. You kind of forget why you're there and the important the importance of why you're there kind of leaves your mind. And after a while, you're like, okay, I'm here for this reason, but she's acting very nonchalant about it. And then they introduce these other characters and this other story, which is an interesting twist in the story later on narratively. But at the time, it just feels disconnected and it doesn't all feel woven together. And I think this is something in Blair Witch that Bluebird also kind of struggled with storytelling is I feel like in that game, they inserted a story that wasn't necessary to the game they were trying to make, in my opinion. And so I think they're still, again, like trying to find their footing with this. Like, how do you incorporate like a really interesting narrative driven story inside a spooky game, you know, that makes in, in a way that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I don't think they've quite nailed it, but I think they're definitely on the right track, which is why I'm excited to see like what they come with, uh, come up with in the future. Do you but, think, uh, did you finish the game? I am almost done. OK, I was going to ask like whether or not you saw the potential for sequels or anything coming out of this. Yeah, I'm not sure based off of what the ending will be, but I would hope because, I mean, I think Marianne's a really interesting character and I'd like to see where she goes. But obviously, if she like gets killed off in the end, well, that's not happening. But she's <laughs> It'll <medium>. be another <laughs> medium. <laughs> It'll be another medium. Dude, no, speaking of characters, I got to give a shout out to 
to Mr. Troy Baker because he is the Maw, which is the main antagonist in this game. And while I don't find the the Maw to be particularly scary, he's like this giant, limmy, like demony looking dude. Hmm. Um, the voice that he gives the Maw is just that's creepy as hell because he does like the high pitch and the really low pitch, and he does like the weird like throat gravelly shit, and he. He's constantly, like, stalking you, and you have to be stealthy around him, and there's a lot of chase sequences, which is, like, a whole other issue I have, but uh, shout out to him. Like, he did a great job. He's Troy, of course. But <laughs> yes, he is very good at what he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but some of the other issues I kind of had gameplay-wise are the chase sequences. I just, personally, like, let me just say, like, I don't have a lot of patience for them in the first place. I just think, you know, unless they're, like, incredibly well executed, they become more of a nuisance than anything. So do you not like Mr. X? Wait, that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and that's different, though, because it's not, like, an insta-death or a perma-fail. It's, like, you have all these different places you can go to run away from Mr. X or Nemesis, right, in Resident mm -hmm. Evil. But in this, it's a very linear, like, okay, you're going to run down this hallway, and then you have to make sure you turn the right direction, and then turn the right direction again, and push this button at this time, and evade this monster. And it's hard, because these levels are really dark, and if you fail, you have to start over from the beginning, which is like not a terrible loading screen, and but sometimes the checkpointing isn't super great, and so it just it just becomes very like frustrating. You basically, after are just a bit. you're learning by failure, failing kind of, which, exactly. Uh, reminds me of some some of the level or some of the parts of the levels in Ori and the Blind Forest, the OG mm. one, um, where yeah, there was like this one one section where you had you just kind of like have to blindly go into a direction and hope that there would be something there and then you would die and then you'd be like, okay, well now I've seen that section of the screen so I can move forward and know where I'm going. Oh, so wow. It's a little bit like that where it's like, okay, yeah. I'll run forward and see what's there and then probably die and then, but I'll know that that's there then for the next time and rinse, repeat. Rinse, wash, and repeat. Yeah, but it seems like the game is kind of built, is the game kind of built around that though? Like it's okay what, to do Ori? that? Yeah, I mean, if it's like no, was, if you die, it was like no just big deal. one. It's one. It was one oh, section. Okay. Like it was basically like a boss battle was how they structured oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in this, it was it's like a cinematic narrative-driven cutscene, but it's a chase sequence, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. And if you fail, it's like anyway. Like personally, again, like I don't have a lot of patience for these anyway. But if you don't particularly mind them, you might not be as frustrated with them as I was. I but, hate um, chase sequences where you're running at the camera. Oh, there's, like, yeah, there's some of those. Um, yeah. Like Uncharted style, where sometimes you have to run. Yeah, <laughs> right? The camera and you're like, why? Where do I go? <laughs> like, I can't see. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's, yeah, and then that was part of the issues. You don't really know exactly where you're going, or, and then you fail, and then you're like, why did I fail? And then you're like, oh, okay, after three times, you learn that there's another thing you need to do, even though you have the option to do the other thing, which will always kill you. Uh, but I mean, whatever. It's like it's not the hugest deal, but it's just something that I hope is like you know kind of fixed going forward. Yeah, sure. Um, and, then, and there's some fun puzzles in the game. You know, it does some interesting things with the split screen mechanic, where you have to pick something up in one realm and then put it somewhere in the other realm, and then you solve the puzzle. And for the most part, like they're very straightforward and they're fun and they're enjoyable. There are just a few that um, the game does not give you any hints if you're stuck. And so there was one, one puzzle where I just couldn't remember. I couldn't figure out for the life of me what to do. The, the objective was search this room. And I searched that room for probably 15 minutes. And I thought maybe there was like a weird bug or something. And the problem when you have these pre-release games is you can't just hop on the internet. You should be like, hello, I am stuck. Help me. Um, 
And so I couldn't figure out what to do. But then it turns out I had to leave that room, go outside that room that co that connects to it, and then use a mechanic that I hadn't needed to use for probably like an hour and a half or two hours. And so I had forgotten about it. It's essentially a mechanic where you push this button and it gives you like spirit vision or something. Um, and so like that was just a little frustrating. Again, not a huge deal, but it would have been nice if there was a little pop-up being like, yo, bitch, don't forget you have this like one ability to do this one thing. And then there were some other times where, you know, you had to follow like this trail. And if you follow the trail, it just ends abruptly. And you're like, what? I don't know what to do. <laughs> and the game's like, follow the trail. And you do. But you actually have to walk away from the trail and leave the room. Anyway, like just little quality of life things that I think maybe got me a little frustrated when I'm trying to, you know, enjoy the game and keep it moving and, and like figure out where the story is going. But overall, I think, you know, it's, it's it was a good step forward for Bluebird. I think, you know, they're just trying to figure out what that perfect medium is between storytelling and psychological horror and character building and how does that all mesh together? And I hope they continue at it and stay in the genre. And I, like I said earlier, I think they're eventually going to get all their footing underneath them and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So whether or not I would recommend this game, I'm not going to say like a definitive yay or nay. I would say like take what I've said into consideration and read a lot of other reviews because this is one of those games that's getting a super wide variety of views. Some people are saying game of the year material. Some people are saying they're given eights and nines out of ten. Some people are giving it like threes and fours. So it just wow. depends on Why what would you they, like. Like a three or four out of ten? I saw someone, yeah, gave it like a three out. I don't know if it was a three out of ten. I mean, I don't think it was a three out of five. I think it was a uh, like. Do a you really think the low... game could be? I mean, when I think of a three game, I think of like a fundamentally broken game or a um, one that's just like completely lackluster. Yeah. So... so the Guardian gave it. Well, let me see. So on Metacritic. Gaming Bible, 30, Guardian, 40. But let's see what those actual... So two out of five stars. That's how that translates. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, two out of five stars. Um, and then I'm on Gaming Bible. And it's three out of... They give it a three out of ten. So... Rough again, crowd. <laughs> yeah. So, so for example, for Gaming Bible, we gave it a three out of ten. They said pros. A sense of nostalgia with a camera and soundtrack. Dual realities is a compelling concept. Cons. Not a scary game. Gameplay that grows tedious, incredibly messy narrative, lacks any next-gen flair. And I would say there's some validity to all of those. And yeah, this, the camera angles are actually pretty cool. They're, they're mostly fixed, but they will follow you. So it's kind of fun in that way. But uh, yeah, so again, like read some reviews. And it is on Game Pass. So if you are a subscriber to Game Pass, give it a shot. You're only having if you're one of those play. 18 million people. <laughs> 18, holy shit. Yes. Ah. <sighs> Anything cool. else for us, Steimer? Any I mean, amazing things to say before we wrap up this episode of the Steinbockers? Any parting wisdom? I don't know. I feel like we've hit a lot of our you know, main components. Like, we talked about Dragon Age a lot, which is what we usually do. You know, you have to bring Bioware into the mix, even if nothing's yep. going on. Like, I feel like the gods shined upon us that we had got even a little bit of a Dragon Age story this week. But It was a perfect week for Steinbockers. You're right. We touched on banging... Actually, I don't know if we touched on banging. Don't know if we, we have did. now. <laughs> I don't think we, we have did. now, though. So who cares? We we crossed all we crossed all of the things. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this episode of What's Good Games. We will be back next week with a brand new piping hot episode for your eyeballs and ear holes. Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>